Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. May in the service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, stagnancy, selfishness. All of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people. And stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you in the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arkady in your divine arms, and we ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. Greetings to you, dear Church, the congregation of saints who have been chosen by God. A church is that place where God dwells, where He uncovers His Word, and I am great, very grateful to be here in this holy place. I know that lately, each service is valuable and precious to us. It is more precious than gold. And if we comprehend in what kind of time we are living in and how precious and valuable that word, that instruction, that truth, that we have the right to accept and to affirm. And furthermore, uh, we have the right to wait for the coming of the Lord Jesus, not in fear, but in trembling joy. The format of my testimony, which I will share today, is based on the instruction of Apostle Arkady through the preached word which I also dwell in as a disciple. And this word, this calling, is also precious to me. I understand what it entails, and I am glad to be a disciple. Therefore, all that is going to be said by me, I relate first and foremost to myself, and then to you, so that together we can be strengthened and affirmed, so that God can make us immovable and unshakable. I will read 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. But may the God of all grace, who called us to His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. And these are not just words. When God speaks these words, when He declares these words, He is strong enough to make this happen in us. Even if we don't see some kind of power in ourself or when we turn our eyes to something else when we lose this goal in front of us god is strong through that word that we have accepted to make us unshakable and immovable 
one of the very important instructions for me that I have received became uh, the Apostle Arkadi uh, before quarantine, in which God gave our pastor the wise, the wisdom to pass along to the church fundamental truths which define the fate of a person and my fate it has defined so in this in this moment god has done something in me and i have seen those truths those truths which i am hearing all of a sudden i now have a right to affirm them to affirm this covenant before god and see these truths in myself to see the work of these words this preached word in myself but let's first read two places of scripture this is matthew chapter 5 verses 45 and 48 that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. This brings me to trembling and astonishment. When God says, be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect, as I am perfect, be holy as I am holy. And this isn't just a wish or a desire. We know that this is a certain decree, a commandment. This is that which God desires for us to enter into the fullness, for us to be perfect as He is because he is holy and he accepts only his holy children he listens and hears his holy children he desires for us to carry that very same image that he has one other place of scripture luke chapter 24 verses 44 and 45 then he said to them these are the words which i spoke to you while i was still with you that all things must be fulfilled which are written in the law of moses and the prophets and the psalms concerning me and he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures i am going to cite certain things that our pastor has shared with us as an instruction for the church and I'm certainly going to, and I'm simply going to just highlight those things that became important for me. God's beloved Zion, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Holy Spirit says to God's chosen remnant through the word that is entrusted to his apostles. Revelation chapter 2, verses 26 through 28. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels, as I also have received from my Father, and I will give him the morning star. I have highlighted for myself two words, he who overcomes and he who keeps my words until the end. Here, if we talk about how it's necessary to be victorious, this means that we have certain enemies. And this means it's necessary for me to know who this enemy is. And on the other hand, in order to keep his works until the end, I need to define what kinds of works are these? And how can I keep them until the end? What does this mean until the very end? The essence of every work of God 
says Apostle Arkadi, the essence of every work of God is so that we can distinguish the voice of the messenger of God and the dignity of his apostles from the voice of false apostles in order to have the opportunity and nobility to obey the word of the true apostles of Christ. This kind of obedience on our end is the work of God. This is what the work of God is, to obey the apostles, not false apostles, but the true apostles that are given by God and have been established by God, anointed by God in the church. This is the work of God and it gives God the basis to endow us with the power over the Gentiles and adopt our bodies to the redemption of Christ, which for us will be the morning star that testifies in our hearts about the guarantee of our rapture with the Lord in the air. John chapter 6 verses 27 through 29 Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father, God the Father has set his seal on him. And they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he set. This is the work of God, again, that we are called to keep until the end, to believe in him whom he sent. How? How do we affirm that covenant that we have? Daniel chapter 9, verses 27. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering, and on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. So the church has a kind of word. The church is given a covenant which we are called to keep. This covenant of peace we are called to accept and then keep it. Furthermore, we're going to talk about this covenant and how to affirm it. This covenant is illustrated well by the prophet Hosea in chapter 2. I will remind you a very, place of, a very familiar place of scripture for you and for me. Therefore, behold, I will allure her, will bring her into the wilderness and speak comfort to her. I will give her her vineyards from there and the valley of Achor as a door of hope. She shall sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the day when she came from the land of Egypt. For what? Why? God has allowed us. He has allowed us to be in this kind of quarantine, and it continues to, uh, it, it is continuing, we are continuing to be in sanctification. And our calling, why God allows this, is that he has placed the whole world on their knees before his bride. He cares for, not this world, but he cares for his church. And we have come to that moment, to that point where we are called to affirm that covenant that is given to us. But for what purpose? For what reason? And Pastor uncovered this in the same message to us. We should not forget that both the universe itself and all the events occurring in the universe have one goal to nurture and educate those whom God foreknew and predestined so that they are in the likeness of the image of His Son. And therefore, sunrises, sunsets, changes of seasons, earthquakes, floods, droughts, 
Great storms, tornadoes, tsunamis, hunger, pestilences leading to epidemics, as well as terrorist threats, war, confusion, revolutions, rumors of war, resulting in political and economic crises. God has allowed, with only one purpose, to prepare the remnant chosen by God for the adoption of their bodies, the resurrection of Christ, which is called to be a testimony and guarantee of our rapture and meeting with the Lord in the air. This is for the very reason that all of these things happen. Therefore, when the church sees all of these things occurring, this is a sign. This is a sign for the church. God has said that all of these things will be, but do not be dismayed. All of this will be, but in this moment, what do we do? We lift up our heads. We lift up our heads. And we give glory to God because the day of our deliverance, the day of His coming, is near. For the church, this is not fear. For the church, this is a sign. For the church, this is joy. A joy to meet with Him. For me, this is a joy to be able to meet with Him. And given that the bride is waiting for her bridegroom, preparing herself, fixing her lamp, waiting for when He is to come. And so the church also is called to keep herself in cleanliness so that she is not blemished, but so that she can wait for the coming of our Lord. And there He told us that He will not tarry. This is that which comforts me. It comforts, I think, you as well. He is not going to tarry. As soon as God says, right now, nothing will stop Him. Neither politics, nor wars, nor anything else happening. He right away in that moment will come. One of the main purposes of quarantine, as I mentioned, is so that God's chosen remnant could affirm their covenant with God. If God does not affirm His covenant with us in the format of His Word, magnified in the temple of our body above all His names, He will not have any basis to set His tabernacle in our body. Because God has promised to cooperate with us only in the boundaries of His spoken word, that has been magnified by Him in the temple of our body. Not just it's written in the Bible, but this is called to be engraved in our heart. It's called to be engraved like on the tablets of our heart, to be engraved in such a way that there is nothing else except for this word. When a seal is placed so that we can see only that which is on this, which is on these tablets. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16 And what agreement has a temple of God with idols? For you were the temple of the living God. As God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. For this goal, so in order for us to be able to cooperate with God in the boundaries of His spoken word, we, through hearing the preached word in the format of a seed, are called to take this seed, turned and accepted it in our conscience that is cleansed from dead works and accepted in the format of a commandment. The heart is called to be clean. It's called to be good soil. Our conscience, 
must be cleansed from dead works. And then in this conscience, we are able to accept the word of God, which then is going to be a commandment for us. Because the conscience is going to judge us on the basis of that which we have brought in there. And we are called to accept the law of God, the word of God in this conscience. And then it is going to not just protect us or rather judge us, it's going to judge us secondly and justify us firstly. People oftentimes say that the conscience judges on the basis of the word. It firstly condemns us and judges us, but firstly it is called to justify us on the basis of the word. And then it judges us if we have violated in some way. And so we are called to specifically in the format of the seed, accept the seed in the good soil of our heart, our conscience. This means that the conscience needs to be cleansed. This means that we need to first cleanse it from these dead works so that we can remove the law that was there previously perhaps something someone told us something we have read some kind of information we have heard some kind of other information but our conscience must be cleansed of all this how do we make it cleansed on the basis of the word we engrave the word and when we accept the word we simply bring out the old program and bring in a new program a new program each time when we hear the word we receive something new in the format of the Word. And this Word always brings into us two actions. First, this is curse. Second, this is blessing. If the Word of God, which we hear, does not bring into us in the format of curse, then this means that we have not accepted the Word of God. The Word of God in the format of a curse is called to destroy all of that which is unclean, because the Word of God is holy, and therefore when it finds its place in us, it is going to curse all of those things which were incorrect, which were unpleasing to God, which were dead in us. And the Word of God brings us blessing. That's the second part. Blessing is contained in that inheritance, that reward which belongs to us by right. And so we are called to accept the seed of the Word of God that is accepted in our conscience, that is cleansed of dead works in the format of a commandment. And we will remember that the cleansing of our conscience from dead works is called to occur through knowledge of the truth that is comprised of the blood of Christ and the blood of the cross of Christ. The phrase to affirm His covenant, what does it mean to affirm His covenant? This means, as we know, to ratify His covenant between Himself and us in order to make His covenant between Himself and us legally lawful and unchangeable. To ratify, to affirm. We know that there is a law. Someone has given it to us, but it doesn't work. It is going to work only when there is ratification or affirmation of this law. Ratification is when you, we, stand, as we heard, between two mountains, Ibal and Gerizim, when we stand in the valley, when we stand in this cleft of the rock, when we stand in that place where God proclaims His blessing and curse. This is that place where, where we are called 
to proclaim the word of God for ourselves and to die to ourselves. You notice how there we have the action of death and there we also have the action of blessing. But before affirming or before ratifying his covenant between himself and us, it is necessary for us to know not just how we are called to affirm our covenant with God, but what kind of powers is contained in a covenant that God has made with us. Otherwise, we will not have knowledge of what we are affirming or what is comprised in a covenant between us and God. And therefore, we need to answer two questions. First question, what treasure did God place in a covenant made between himself and us? Or what riches, what treasures did God place in a covenant? And second, what requirements is necessary are necessary for us to fulfill so that we can ratify this covenant, so that we can make it lawful and binding and unchangeable? And so, first question, what treasure did God place in a covenant? What is a covenant? A covenant is an oath, union, or agreement in the format of a will to the unsearchable inheritance of Christ. So here we are met with the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh and with these four rivers that come from the throne of God and that flow into our Eden. These are the four rivers that then become or have a triple function and therefore there are 12 teachings total that we know. These consist in the sworn promises of God in heaven, in the sanctuary, and in the contrite and humble heart of man, trembling at the word that proceeds from the mouth of God in the mouths of his messengers. Notice how the teaching of Jesus Christ is called to be equal in all of these spheres, balanced in heaven, in the church, the sanctuary, and in the contrite and humble heart of man, equally. There is no that we have a we have something in the church but not in a humble and contrite heart no it's the same teaching the same format the same holy word that is called to be in our heart hebrews 9 verses 16 through 17 for where there is a testament there must also of necessity be the death of the testator for a testament or the will is in force after men are dead since it has no power at all while the testator lives. In this covenant, in the format of a will to the unsearchable inheritance of Christ, God makes only with the person that has been born of God. I want to just show how Christ has died for his church and he has prepared an inheritance. But there is a certain condition. It is impossible to take that inheritance if we don't have conditions. We can't simply rolling down a hill take and be together with in the church like in a friendly company. This isn't a friendly company. Here dwells the holiness of God. And this promise that He has contained which He gives to us the church, we are called to take through certain conditions. To not dictate, dictate our conditions to God, but to fulfill His conditions. And first, 
this is whom he is speaking to, only to him who has been born of God. Birth from God uncovers itself in three functions that cannot be legitimate apart from one another. We know and are familiar with this material, and therefore I'm just going to repeat and affirm these for myself and for and for you. This is birth from water, birth from spirit, and birth to the throne. John chapter 3, verses 5. There we are going to see all three of these births. Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Here we saw birth from water, birth from Spirit, and to enter into the kingdom of heaven in which there is a throne, we must be born to the throne. The covenant itself that God makes between himself and man who has been born from the seed of the word of truth through how through hearing the preached word contains three functions that cannot be legitimate apart from one another these all these three functions are one birth is in three functions and the covenant there is one covenant in three functions these are not different covenants. God has one covenant, but He uncovers Himself in three functions of the covenant. Covenant of blood, salt, and rest. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of sun, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willingly, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, so how does this happen? A person doesn't cherish that which God has given him. He tramples on it. Then, for this reason, there is no longer a sacrifice for sins that remains, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? To trample, if you take a look, to trample means to uh, to kick with the foot. This is a person who tramples on that which is holy and does not consider the blood of the covenant holy. And he offends the Spirit of grace. 2 Corinthians or Chronicles chapter 13 verse 5 Here we are going to see the covenant of salt. We are going them very quickly just for the purpose of showing what this covenant is contained in and what our inheritance is comprised of in these teachings. Should you not know that the Lord God of Israel gave the dominion over Israel to David forever to him and his sons by how? By a covenant of salt. So he was called to keep this covenant of salt, we know that salt is our sanctification. We know also that salt is called to be brought upon every sacrifice, meaning in all that we do, in our service, in our thoughts, in our, in our fellowship with one another, in our walk before God, salt must be present. Isaiah chapter 54 verse 10. 
For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my mercy shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has mercy on you. Also Ezekiel chapter 34 verse 25, I will make a covenant of peace with him and cause wild beasts to cease from the land, and they will dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. And God makes this covenant with men in the death of the Lord Jesus. We are born again and make a covenant in baptisms, in baptism in water, Holy Spirit, and fire. Matthew chapter 3, verses 11 through 12. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chafe with unquenchable fire. And this covenant of God is uncovered in three functions of his will, the good will, acceptable will, and the perfect will. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. Here we see all three of these wills in one place of Scripture. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. How do we present our bodies, or how do we uncover our covenant with God? We place or we give up our body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And remember that a living sacrifice is one from which we ripped the skin off alive and we no longer have any other protection. We no longer have what is our own. We can't any longer in this moment express our own will. We can't respond angrily at an offense towards us. We have had this our skin ripped off and it is painful when we are touched but this person this sacrifice does not return evil with evil yes he feels pain yes he feels reproach yes he sees this but he lacks or he has lacked he lacks the ability to provide retribution he places himself before God and is ready to be clothed into the new man This is that which we in this moment are enduring, or perhaps I am just enduring, perhaps you as well. You are waiting for that moment. We are waiting for that moment when God is going to clothe us in our new bodies so that we have a glorified body. And then in this body, God will move through us and His judgment will move through us not me in a new body, as I oftentimes am met, or rather in conversation and met with others. Someone says, as soon as we are clothed in our new bodies, then this and this will happen. We will be healthy. We will uh, do this. We will do that. I will do what I want, if we put it in that way. But this is not so. This means that a person has not placed himself as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. He has not placed himself. If he has, he would say, not my will, but yours be done. And this clothing into the new body is his will. This is the will of God, not ours. This is his promise. This is 
he who established it this way in the church and he uncovered it through his blessed man whom he has established thus all that God gives us in the three functions of his covenant in the format of the unsearchable inheritance of Christ which he made with us is given to us through hearing the seed of the word preached to us which represents specific promises which on their own in the format of a seed are the deposit of our salvation it is necessary for us to place this deposit of salvation into circulation based on the requirements of scripture I had pondered upon a lot about what it means to place into circulation how is this possible how is this so I have been asked many questions and when you yourself don't know it's difficult to answer to respond to a person or when you yourself have not affirmed this truth but dwelling and being a disciple I listen to a lot and I also accept this instruction of the word and I'm affirmed in it just like you are certain things became clear to me that seed that we accept has a genetic but this genetic can't be uncovered it is found in the seed but it can't be uncovered yet there is life there but life can't be uncovered right away there is lots of fruit there but it can't be uncovered until it is sown in the ground in the earth and then then when there where is the action of death then the life becomes revealed this is a paradox through death we receive life same thing as we when we are immersed in the death of our Lord Jesus Christ we rise up with him in glory the essence is that that word that we hear it ends up and finds itself in us and then we have accepted it we write it on the tablets of our heart we engrave it there but we have not yet been transformed or we have not yet changed in us still dwells that same law of sin and death in our body what now do we do it turns out that the pure word that gold that has been purified ends up and is found and mixed with that which is foreign and in order to be rid of this it is necessary for us to uphold a certain temperature we need to place it or to warm it to a kind of temperature where all of these blemishes could rise up to the top so that then we can cleanse it when we are immersed into the death of the Lord Jesus Christ we together we being born again our spirit that has no sin in himself and this pure word we are immersed where we are immersed into death but death does not have power over the Word of God death does not have power over the spirit that is born of God holy this holy person this means that in this death dies only that which is not clean that which is not God's that which is not imperishable therefore when Apostle Paul says that the cross of Christ is for us um, 
uh, escaped my mind. This word for us is the power of God for us. And this power for us is contained in the life of Christ. This is the power of God. Therefore, we ought not to fear the cross. We ought not to fear being immersed into the death of Christ because this for us is an opportunity for the power of God to be manifested in us, for this DNA that is found in the seed, for it to be cultivated in us, for us to become just like our Father, just like our Heavenly Father is perfect. Let's approach a second question. What requirements are necessary for us to fulfill in order to ratify a covenant which we made with God in order to make it legally binding and unchangeable so that in this manner we can allow God to place His dwelling place in the temple of our body and according to what signs should we test ourselves that we have ratified the covenant made between us and God? According to the definitions of Scripture, each promise, including the promise of a covenant of peace, is affirmed in the fruit of righteousness, not in the seed, but in the fruit of righteousness, grown by us out of the seed of justification, accepted in the good soil of our heart, by way of proclaiming the faith of God dwelling in our heart, with our lips, and our acceptance over us, the words of the person endowed with the fatherhood of God. This is a very important very important truth we can ratify only that which out of a seed has grown into a fruit and we proclaim not the seed but we now proclaim the faith of our heart the fruit and only in this manner that covenant is ratified second corinthians chapter 1 verses 20 for all the promises of god in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. God has placed us before two of his names, yes and amen. Yes and amen. And the anointed men of the Lord are called by God. They carry upon themselves this waste, this they carry upon themselves this weight on their shoulders. They represent these names. And we are called to ratify the covenant of peace only through the fact that we accept these anointed men. We accept these powers that lay upon them, this weight that lays upon the Apostle. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God.
Searching for the words of our Father, contained in His heart as silver, will give us the opportunity to understand the fear of the Lord and find true knowledge of God. Can we do it any other way? No. There is no other way. There is no other opportunity. This is how God established the church. Well, someone might say, well, I don't like this. You're not a disciple then. And this means that this calling is not for you. This means that you will not inherit all of that which God has prepared for us. Can we do it in any other order outside of the church? No. Again, this is the order of God that He has established. Here we see how we are not offered a choice here. This is a certain commandment, a certain condition. And those that desire to fulfill this condition will enter into life, and those that do not desire to fulfill this condition, thinking and coming up with their own conditions for themselves or desires, they are not going to be able to inherit this kingdom of God. There's a certain price to pay for discipleship in taking up of our cross and following Christ. This is referring to denying all that we have, including our life. Luke chapter 14, verse 33, So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. All that he has. Apostle Paul said, All that which, which was a benefit for me, I now consider this as waste. All of this is unnecessary. It's unimportant. It has no value for me. Absolutely no value. Well, how? There are so-called gifts. You have such capabilities. You have such a bright future. No, I consider all of this as waste and as rubbish. For what? In order to be able to achieve resurrection from the dead. How? Having been immersed into the death of the Lord Jesus. Disciples can be only those that pay the price for their discipleship in the taking up of their cross and searching for the words of our Father that are contained in His heart as silver. Perhaps you are better enlightened. I didn't know how silver was gained. I just thought that people go and gather gather them from the ground. They find silver, they find it, they rejoice, but this is not so. To be able to find and take silver, I will just read from the dictionary some of the definitions. First, silver is taken in big pieces and they are made smaller. Very rarely are they very small slivers of silver. Oftentimes it's a big rock, big rock, and they are uh, manufactured and then there occurs a process. These processes include being able to being able to take the minerals out of this rock and to be able to through filtration to be able to see the silver at the bottom. You might think, okay, now that it has filtered and we have pieces of silver, this is not correct. Through froth flotation, silver is extracted by a cyanide process. 
that's like the technology used for gold extraction. Silver is produced during the refining of copper and by application of a certain process. And this includes a process of technological actions. First, it also must be placed into a furnace in order for it to be cleansed of premises. And then there is a form that is created. And then there is silver then that is ready. The dust is smelted and refined to obtain this pure silver. The better the process, or the more cleaner the process, the better the quality of the silver will be. And now let's take a look at this in terms of discipleship. If you're speaking with a person, you might think that, well, what is discipleship? You came, sat down, listened, wrote something in your notebook, and left. No. There is a certain process involved, and discipleship is a ranking. It's a virtue. It's a dignity. He who has this rank, if you have this particular rank, this, if you have this dignity before God, he is stunned by this. Christ himself said, I am a disciple. I do not tell you anything that is my own. I speak to you only that which I hear from my Father. He has told me I have heard and I have passed it along. This is a ranking. This is an authority, an authority to be a disciple. And we will look at this in six steps that I know we have already remembered. But again, let's renew and repeat these in our memory so that we can take a look at how we can affirm our covenant before God in the dignity of a disciple. The first step is a necessity to know our Father. In a very difficult time, particularly for me, I asked Pastor a question. The di it was difficult in that there was a lot that I did not know. There was lots of information all around. There was lots of different events happening. Everything in me was turned upside down. There was a lot of pressure from the outside, a lot of control. And I asked Pastor a question. How? How do I deal with this? How do I distinguish what is right, what is wrong? There is so much that I, I can't distinguish. Who is saying something right? Who is saying what is wrong? And in this moment he said, define who your father is. And everything then came and went into its place. We will read a place of scripture. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 24. And he, meaning God, himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. This is a blessing for the church. How do people not see this? They are deprived of wisdom. Wisdom is comprised of us being able to accept the apostles and to be able to accept those 
whom the Apostle has established, who are also placed by God in the Church. Because through them we come to the perfection, to the perfection for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I've never met any other person who would not want to have the full measure of the stature of Christ, to be a perfect man. But I've met lots of people who were unhappy, who were not disciples, and who did not acknowledge their pastors and the apostles. This is the full measure of the stature of Christ, and it gives us the opportunity to no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things into him who is the head of Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Many say, well, What kind of love? Well, this kind of love is impossible without order. If there is no order among you, what kind of love can you be referring to? And therefore, uh, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened. Those that behave according to the sin of their mind How do these people, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness? But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God and true righteousness and holiness. We have the privilege each time, each time in church, in our local church in Germany, each time I am reminded myself and them that each time we have a privilege is it not a privilege to have a father even just in our earthly life what a privilege it is to have a father sometimes people search they try to find their biological father but God gives us and he gives us this blessing and pours out his grace upon us Let's look at the second step. My son, if you receive my words, we need not to just know our Father. The next step is to accept the words that come from our Father, to not resist them. And in these words is our ability and readiness to be fertilized by the seed of the preached word, which sheds light to the level of our dedication. 
And this, again, this decision to accept the words of our Father will result in the ability to be fertilized by the seed of the preached word, which sheds light to the level of our dedication. To accept is to accept this seed. To receive is to receive this seed. And we have talked about how this can occur in that kind of a heart that has been cleansed of dead works. To accept our Father is to accept the order. God who has created order in the church, not we have created this order, but God has created this order. You know, people don't like God's decisions. God, if God appoints a person, this is His decision, but people may not like it. They don't like this, they don't like that about Him. And in doing so, they say, Father, you can't... I would have chosen someone better. And this is what they do. They choose for themselves teachers that would flatter their ears. They think that they have chosen something better, but they've chosen something far worse. How can God... Do you think... How do you think God is going to act... To, towards those people that have rejected and denied his decision. To accept the words of our Father is accepting the order that yields the kingdom of God in us, a heart that is able to... This is a certain kind of labor in order to prepare. When we go into the house of God, we must prepare our hearts. To what? We prepare our heart in order to be able to correctly accept, to correctly listen, to listen in such a way so that we can then go and fulfill this word, to listen so that we can then accept this word for ourselves, not for the one sitting next to us, but we accept this word for ourselves, and this is what we ought to care for. To accept the word of our Father points to the brokenness of our spirit and humility before the will of God. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. To add to this, how we accept the word. If a person accepts the word and says, I, I don't resist the word, I accept it. But his works don't show this, that he has accepted this word. This means that he hasn't accepted it. He accepted it in his mind, but not in his heart. Sometimes a people may sit here for years and accept the word at the level of his mind, and not at the level of his heart. As soon as the word of the Holy God ends up in our heart, it will not remain there without action. It will absolutely produce that which that word was sent to do. And it is going to bring death. It is going to bring a change or the death of our soul. How can we accept the holy word of God and remain the same as we were before? It's impossible. When we accept, it is called to transform. This word is called to change us, to transform us. To accept the words of our Father is expressed in the ability to distinguish a person sent by God from those who were chosen by other people and those that do not enter by the door into the sheepfold. John 17, 8, For I have given to them the words which you have given me. 
Jesus prays to the Father, I have given to them and they have received them and have known surely that I come forth from you and they have believed that you sent me. Let's look further at the next step. My son, it says in that initial place of scripture in Proverbs, my son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, first, we accept the Father, second, we receive the word, and third, we have to keep them to be able to treasure them. This means that we need to do something so that this word is not stolen from our heart, for us to not lose it, for us to be able to keep it and to be able to treasure it. The character of such an action is fraught with great losses and exhausting confrontation between our new man and our old man, over which stand the organized powers of darkness that are targeted to steal and distort the words accepted by us through the preached word of our Father. And so, it's necessary to apply energy, to apply energy to keep the words of our Father This is the result of the fruit of our womb presented in the image of our sons who are able to speak with our enemies in the face of our old man with his works at the gates of our city. I will stop briefly there here because in order for us to keep the word of God, here we are firstly met with our old man because he is the enemy that desires to deprive us, to deprive us of this word through different ways, through resistance to our spirit and certain words, certain thoughts which he sends so that we can become his servants. But when we challenge him and when we understand that we have a right to be able to place him outside of the law. How do we do that? Because we have become servants and slaves of righteousness. We are no longer his slaves. We are slaves of righteousness. It's impossible to be a servant to two different masters, but he contends for this position. When we receive the word of God, we then have a right. We have accepted the right in order to resist the old man in our essence and in order to place him outside of the law, to tell him, depart from me, Satan. You have no right. But you've done this, he says. I am a child of God. I am a righteous who has fallen but has gotten up and am standing. I am a righteous who declares, as the Lord lives before whom I stand, God is strong to restore me. He is strong enough to do this. But our flesh is going to resist us in this always until until we tie up our old man and having been tied we are always going to endure a kind of a kind of weariness this is like a pearl you know that it is it is in a mollusk it is inside of a mollusk And yes, there is silt that has been created. We'll say that this pearl is covered, but the silt, it is firm. It gets in the way. It is covered even more, protected, but still endures a lot of pain. And the more we know, the more we obtain knowledge of the Lord, and the more we put the works 
of the flesh to death, the more painful it becomes for us, because this old man is still in us. Yes, he is tied, he's tied up, but he's still in us, up until a certain point, when the Lord allows us, with if, with a sound, with a noise, to be able to overthrow the old man, and gives us the opportunity to be clothed into the new man. We wait for this. The church waits for this. Let us look at Psalms 127, verses 3 through 5, the fruit of our womb. Behold, children are an inheritance from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. This is that resistance. And how can we resist the old, how we can resist the old man in us? At the gates. Where? We need sons. We need promises. We need an arrow. An arrow that is going to be able, we will be able to use using the bow. And when we shoot this arrow, arrow it's going to hit the target. When we begin to proclaim those promises that have been revealed and uncovered for us, and when we direct them towards the old man, that target, we end up hitting him straight on. And in this manner, we are able to speak with our enemies at the gates, only in this way. They're, they're not just that words that we like. They're not just that those words that are written in the Bible, but these are the words that we have accepted and that we have then be, that, that have then become a fruit in us. We now see the actions of God that are present, that are present in these promises. Applying energy to keep the words of our Father is the result of the ability and cooperation of our new man with a renewed mind and a pure mouth that can control the sword of the Word of God to protect the words of the Father from foreign and false thoughts. This is that sword that we are able to use, that we protect, that we use to resist different thoughts that try to find their place in us. We destroy them with the Word of God. With what kind of Word of God? With the Word of God that we have accepted, with the Word of God that is preached to us. Let's look further. The phrase that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. This is referring to the fact that the we're inclining our ear to the wisdom of our Father and applying our heart to the understanding of the words of our Father. This is important. In this is involved the process of pondering upon this word that we hear not from service to service and then we forget all of this word that we hear but to ponder upon this word so that it can become our essence so that it become ours so that this word can become our prayer our testimony to god our way of life to incline our heart to hear the words of our father is to discipline ourselves and submit ourselves to the words of our father by applying energy so that we can get caught in the snare of proclamation of the will of God 
that we, in cooperation with the words of our Father and the power of the Holy Spirit, had allowed to write on the tablets of our heart. To bind ourselves in these words, with these words. Sometimes I am told, are you not afraid? Are you not afraid that you've become a servant? No. This is so high and lofty and blessed when you know that God inclines towards you personally. They don't have this. I have the peace of God, but they don't have peace. I have blessing. I am hearing the Father. He instructs me. He instructs me, instructs me through the person whom God has established in the church. And He corrects me, sometimes in such a way, like with a hammer, hammer against my whole essence. Everything in me is turned to pieces. All of my own understandings, interpretations, all of a sudden when pastor says the word, all of this then is destructed and falls in me. And in this moment, I realize that God wants to do something new with me. He wants to reveal and open something to me. And therefore, each time, not each time, but whenever I come out to repentance, up out onto the altar has different actions. When I come out to the altar, it could be that God uncovered some kind of part through His mercy, through the preached word. And I realize that all that was before this, if God has uncovered this wisdom to me and I didn't know, this means that all that was previously were dead works that led to death. And blessed is God who gives us the opportunity to correct our lamp, to be able to see because He sends His instruction so that we are able to gain that inheritance to be able to con obtain that which is found in the covenant of peace. Alright, in other words, to receive the ability to ponder upon the words of our Father, it's necessary to turn ourselves into voluntary uh, ser servants of our Father. I have become voluntary and voluntarily become a servant. And you know, like a servant, there is an earring that is placed in his ear which symbolizes that we are forever servants. I want to be a servant of this kind of righteousness. The next phrase, My son, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding. What does this mean? This means to thirst for the fulfillment of the words of our Father. To call the inexistent as existent. Philippines chapter 4 verse 9 The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. For me, here, it became important for me to desire the fulfillment of the words. I know that the next step we're, gonna, we're going to look at how God places 
huge weight, huge weight upon the shoulders of our pastor. This word that he needs to pass along to the church, this is a burden on him. It's a weight. How do we help carry it? Or how is pastor able to be freed from this burden? Through the fact that we are listening. Through the fact that we are obedient to that word that he is preaching. You parents know about this. When your children are obedient, this is like a burden that is lifted off you. When they are disobedient, you have a burden on you. It's difficult for you. You are worrying, you are praying, you are waiting for when one or the other thing will happen. The same thing in the spiritual sense. And so the next phrase, if you seek her as silver and search for her as the hidden, for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. To seek the understanding of our Father is to allow the weight of the heavy words contained in the mind of our Father to be laid on us. Words which represent the mind of Christ the carrier and representative of which is our Father. As we have heard already, Pastor Daniel told us about what this means. This means to stand under one yoke so that we can enter and go into one direction. When there is a yoke upon two people, in this moment, again, if we talk about bulls, then these bulls, when they're under one yoke, they can't go in different directions. They can go only in one direction. So this yoke is found upon them, and we are called to take upon this yoke and to put it on ourselves. Christ has said, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble in heart, and then you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is good and my burden is light. We must understand that that which God opens up to our pastor is not his treasure, it's God's treasure for the church, for us. And this burden that pastor carries, we are able to take off only when we are going to be likened to Christ, when we take this yoke and when we learn from Christ. To learn from Christ, this is our part, our role. How does he, how do we to take the, the yoke upon ourselves? We can take it upon ourselves through the fact that we accept correction. And as I've said, for me, this is precious when I hear the instruction of pastor and when I hear correction. Yes, for the old man, it's not pleasing to him, but who cares? So what? It's as if he has a right to say anything at all in this matter. The most important thing is that it is good for me. I think that I will end at this. I want to, again, provide a summary 
and we'll take a look at how how we've already gone over one part how to affirm this covenant of peace in our heart this we were called to do through the instruction of pastor during quarantine this is not something that everyone can do this can only be done by the chosen remnant of God these are those that have accepted into their heart the promise of the adoption of their bodies because they have a covenant of peace and they are going to be capable of affirming it but before affirming something we need to first have it and when we have it then we are able to affirm it how do we affirm it this is through the proclamation of our lips to be able to call the non-existent as existent so that we can see in ourselves that which God desires to give to us in this covenant to affirm is to listen to affirm is to think to thank God for that which we have already received sometimes Christians tell me well is this not going to be lies I am speaking it but I don't have it I am speaking it but I don't yet see it well this is how God does it he first tells us and then he produces and how can a person receive his inheritance how can he receive the adoption of his body if in this very moment he does not look upon this promise he is not transformed into this promise and he does not wait for the fulfillment of this promise this is not going to for the church of for those that wait this isn't going to be a surprise because they're waiting they're waiting for this moment therefore it will not come as a surprise they're languishing and, and thirsting and desiring for it let us pray before the Lord and thank him for those revelations that he has given to us through our Apostle in his order Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you. I thank you for your word, your pure word, unchanging word that is kept in heaven. This is our inheritance. I thank you that you, according to your mercy, allow us to hear the preached word through the person whom you have established in this place in order to declare your works Lord I with joy accept all of your words all of your instruction I accept your word in my heart I thank you that you in your wisdom have built your church you have cleansed your church through your word that there is no blemish on her I thank you that in your chosen remnants 
those that accept you and call upon you with pure lips, there is no blemish in them. I thank you that you allow us to affirm our covenant before you. We thank you and I thank you that in that place where there was the power of death will reign the power of life and be built up the power of life. And may your word and your promises come and in my essence be broken the power of death. May you allow us, may you allow me to call upon you with pure lips. I thank you that you are producing a victory in the heart of the person who calls upon you. I thank you that you are coming soon and not wavering. You love your church, you love your bride, you love your chosen remnant, and you are enamored by her. And in this time, when darkness closes in all around, you give to her the ability to shine amid this darkness. You allow her to lift up her head and to be able to wait for her deliverance. We rejoice. I rejoice before you, Father, that the deliverance is near. I thank you that you have opened to me my father, my advisor, the man whom you have clothed in the powers of the fatherhood of God. I thank you that you comfort me through his instruction, this instruction that you give to my pastor. I thank you that you, you correct me also through this instruction, through this preached word of pastor. I thank you that I am able to keep and hold on to this word as a precious treasure. I thank you that you give strength to resist the old man. I thank you that through the proclamation of my lips, I am able to declare and to proclaim that my Lord lives, my Lord is strong, firm and unshakable is my strength, my fortress, God my rock in whom I will trust, God my shield, the horn of my salvation and my refuge. I thank you, Father that you stand before me and my enemies. I thank you that you have stood between me and the old man. And my old man has no right because I have been immersed into the death of my Lord Jesus Christ. I always carry the death of the Lord and each day I declare that as the Lord lives 
my rock. I will not stumble or fall. You are the God, my comfort. I praise you that you have given me the church. You have placed me in the church. Give me the opportunity and the privilege to be your body. And gave me the opportunity to serve you, to be able to hear your word and to be able to be taught by your word. I thank you for the virtue of the disciple, that you have uncovered this for me and I am grateful to you for the opportunity to learn. Each time, coming here with trembling into your temple, into your church, using any opportunity to be in your home. This is good for me to be in your house. This is an honor for me. Lord, I tremble before your name which dwells upon this place. I thank you that you unite us with your blood and you allow us to walk in the light of your word as you walk in the light of your word to capture myself with your word to proclaim your word in place and lay out these snares so that I can be caught into your snares. I thank you, Father, that your church is the pillar and the ground for truth. That honoring and respecting the church and my brothers and sisters means that I am honoring you. When we stoop down and bless our neighbors, We do this for you. Allow us to grow, to be clothed in your love, agape, so that we can proclaim with our lips in our life, your life, and the power of your resurrection communication with one another so that we can proclaim the power of your resurrection to bless the people of God and not curse to bless to bless our advisors and to not curse to bless and honor before you may your mercy be with me Lord with your church we wait for you and we long for you. We wait for your coming. We present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you for our reasonable service. And we wait for our clothing into the new man 
so that your name can be praised in these new bodies so that you can be praised in the church in the church that has come to power in the church that declares your judgments we thank you father I thank you in humility before you I say that you are my God you are my protection you are my strength the God of my resurrection our Father who is in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever amen now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory and unblemished joy to god our savior who alone is wise through jesus christ be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever amen <laughs>